Have you ever wondered what a newly ordained priest does on his first day in his new assignment? Or are you curious about the historic church buildings in St. Louis? Did you know that a nun can also be a clinical psychiatrist? From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast, your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. My name is Gabe Jones and I'm your host. On this episode, we're going to talk to a couple communities in the Archdiocese of St. Louis that have a special connection with the upcoming canonization of Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And we'll also hear part two of my interview with Joe Kenny and Lisa Johnston, reporters with the St. Louis Review, who recently went down to Bolivia and reported on the work of the missionaries from the Archdiocese there in Bolivia. So stay tuned for that interview, part two of that interview, later in the podcast. But for now, we're going to talk about Mother Teresa's canonization. On September 4th, 2016, one day before the 19th anniversary of her death on September 5th, 1997, Pope Francis will officially canonize Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta. For at least a generation, Mother Teresa's work and legacy has resonated across the world as the embodiment of reaching out to aid the poor and marginalized. The order she founded, the Missionaries of Charity with their blue-trimmed habits, is a ubiquitous symbol of the Church's commitment to charitable works of mercy. There are some important connections to Mother Teresa here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Not only did she visit our city on a few occasions, but the Missionaries of Charity operate a convent in North St. Louis City, where they care for some of the poorest of the poor in our community by providing meals, shelter for women, child care, and of course, basic catechesis in the Catholic faith, just as Mother Teresa did in India. Also, in Ferguson, a parish formed in 2005 was named after her. Without question, Mother Teresa is one of the most recognizable and well-known Catholics in the modern world. So it is expected that thousands upon thousands of pilgrims will travel to Rome in order to share in the historic occasion of her canonization. For those unable to get to Rome, a special Mass of Thanksgiving for Mother Teresa's canonization will be offered here in St. Louis at Saints Teresa and Bridget Catholic Church on Labor Day, Monday, September 5th at 4 p.m. Sister Analia, Regional Superior of the Missionaries of Charity in the Midwest, will be one of the thousands of pilgrims making the trip to pack the Vatican for Mother Teresa's canonization. Well, to tell you the truth, I haven't had much time to think about that yet because I'm just trying to get everything um, settled. There's been different things going on, but I don't know, just to be with so many sisters and to meet the Holy Father and to, to participate with so many people who love Mother and I'm just kind of awed at how many, at the response, like the people, how, how much they love her, and it's just beautiful, you know, what she's done for the, for the church, one, one person, the example that she's given, the witness that she is, the encouragement that she gives in, in our times that are so kind of dark. You know. she, she's really a, a, 
the light. In 1995, Sister Analia actually had the opportunity to meet Mother Teresa when she visited Peoria, Illinois. She okay. came in 1995, and I was a junior professor. I just made my, I, I was going to renew my vows for the first time. So that was special. Because so you had the opportunity think, to meet her? Yes. What, what was that like to, to meet someone who is now going to be a saint? I mean, she's our mother. I mean, we know her from all her, her letters to us and her instructions. And uh, in her presence, you always felt like, like you, she was totally focused on, on the person in front of her. You know, so you just felt that she was totally focused on you when she was speaking to you. No, there, there was something special, something. I know she had such a depth in her in her look. Virginia, a volunteer who helps prepare and serve meals with the missionaries of charity every week, says Mother Teresa's legacy of compassion has inspired so many people around the world, including herself. Obviously, every Catholic or everyone in the whole world will be excited. This is a woman that really showed what compassion is to help the poor people. A lot of women sit back and say, that's really good work. But if you really put your heart and soul into it, then you really feel the satisfaction that I feel. I cannot ignore that in my life. Another volunteer, Josh, praised the work that Mother Teresa did for the poor. I heard of her like from being younger, but then when I start coming to the soup kitchen um it's kind of phenomenal what she's what she said like the needy and they just need love and anything besides that is is like hopeless so it was kind of nice what mother Zarissa did yeah so has she inspired you a little bit in her life and, and learning more about her has inspired you in your in your life now yeah she taught me to help others and be compassion um reach beyond like the signs say uh reach beyond yourself compassion pass it on although josh is able to volunteer now it wasn't too long ago that he was on the receiving end of the sister's generosity i love the sisters because it was the kind of like the best thing that i ever ran into because one day i said i was hungry and the next you know, somebody was coming up to the soup kitchen, asked me, um, well, actually told me, um, if you're hungry, you come to the um, Sisters Missionary Charities. So I came up here, the next you know, I'm really not homeless, but at the same time, I love to hear the word in the morning, like before we get served. And then next you know, I think that a lot of people were we're eating and running, but next you know, I kind of like caught on to it and I said, well, let me kind of help out. Then next you know, I started helping out. Then I started talking to the sisters, knowing their name. The next you know, um, we just started interacting, like speaking this and that and speaking about um, the word of God. And then next you know, it just turned into a little um, thing that I can come up here to get my mind like in the right state of mind before I can start my day and so you've got a job now and, and yes uh, actually some people who sent me up here asked me do I want like a little job so I got hired from them actually from the sisters since I was coming up here and the people who other volunteers was working asked me did I want to like help volunteer and help over their house or whatever so I was I'm I was appreciating that a few miles up the road from the Missionaries of Charity Convent, Blessed Teresa of Calcutta Parish in Ferguson is preparing for the canonization of their patron. Here's Pastor Father Robert Rosie Rosebro. 
A part of me thinks that we've already considered her a saint for the last 11 years anyway, since she's our patroness for the parish, and her life bespeaks a life of, of love and joy and uh, leaning into people's hearts with the, to the poor, especially and the needy, and those who are brokenhearted. So many of us have not, we don't see it as something, it's formalized, what we've known already. So in that kind of a sense, it's not a great surprise. It's just a, a ceiling of what we've already known already. With it being Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, uh, are you going to be changing it at all uh, after the canonization to St. Teresa or St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta? The answer is no. <laughs> the, I faced this issue 11 years ago when we founded the parish and the name was chosen in that, um, that Mother Teresa is blessed already and she's been called that for her venerable life to be imitated. And so I figured, I tell people, I'm going to leave it as it is. If it's if blessed, is good enough for the Blessed Mother, it's good enough for Blessed Teresa too. Father Rosie said the name Blessed Teresa was one of several recommended names for a new parish given to then Archbishop Burke in 2005 after the merger of six parishes in the area. Father Rosie says the new parish quickly took on Mother Teresa's spirit. 24-member team uh, called a transition team to help farm from six parishes into one. And the peoples uh, brought names from people from the parish, the, the ground roots, who do you thought to be a good name? And then we started to hone them down to three, and then we gave them to the Bishop Burke to make a choice. And he chose Blessed Teresa for us, and that the term, that's what it was listed as, so it's pretty simple. I didn't coin the Blessed, it was already there. And so it was interesting that uh, she formed Vincent of Paul ministry and all six parishes were always so strong. And so it's interesting that so quickly the parish identified with Mother Teresa who took care of the poor and the needy. The generosity of the parish is unbelievable for the poor. Unbelievable. And unmatched any parish I've ever been at, percentage-wise. And so it just, uh, her qualities of listening and just being present to people was most important. And we kind of assumed that. And it was already there, already in formation. It's that spirit of reaching out and helping people that Father Rosie thinks has been so important in the aftermath of the events in Ferguson two years ago. The Mother Teresa, I remember um, Bishop Burke talking about to add the words I thirst to our our beautiful um, theme backdrop we have behind the altar. And he said, please add the words, I thirst. And because one of the things that Mother Teresa always talked about is I thirst and I, Jesus thirsts for hunger, for justice, for peace, for love. And he wants us to have the same thirst that he has upon the altar. I thirst, I thirst. It wasn't just talking about water. He was talking about how his love led him to die on the cross as he thirsted for our hearts. And so we have loved that and people have identified with that a long time. And so that thirsting for justice has been a part of our culture uh, to also complete peoples who are wounded in poverty or uh, some kind of a a wound in their hearts, a kind of disturbance or some kind of brokenness that is there, that we are moved to hopefully respond to that. Not perfectly, we're we're not uh, the perfect person, the perfect uh, perfect parish, but a lot of good things come out of that, our children. The school, for example, every every grade has a reach out, or outreach, you know, from writing cards to the homebound, 
to uh, go into nursing homes, to go into uh, the seventh and eighth grade. Eighth grade goes down to like um, Peter and Paul Service Center. They go down missions of charity. They go to uh, the, uh, the worker uh, the worker house, the um, uh, Catholic worker house, and they take turns. But kids are always involved in apostolates, reaching out and care care of those those needs. They in turn are formed by Mother Teresa's spirit. That it's not just us who take care of ourselves, but we reach out beyond our own borders. When I asked Sister Analia about those words, I thirst, she said they formed the foundation for Mother Teresa's passion for Christ and the poor. Well, that was so central for Mother. That was part of her call, I think, in, in 1946, that she experienced the thirst of Jesus on that train. She didn't put that up at the beginning, I don't think, of the congregation. That came later when she wanted those words put up in every chapel. But that's uh, like John 19, when Jesus said, I thirst, and he's, he's thirsting for love, he's thirsting to be loved. So, uh, so for Mother, that, that meant everything. Like she would ask us, no, when you look at those words, do, they, you know, do you hear Jesus saying that to you? you know, or is it just words on the wall? She really wanted us to experience that ourselves. Back in Ferguson, Father Rosie is pushing his parishioners to emulate not only Mother Teresa, but a diverse group of saints. The parish school has begun a Saints Hall of Fame, which features saints and notable Catholics from all over the world, including St. Andrew Dunlac, St. Kateri Tekakwitha, St. Josephine Baquita, St. Juan Diego, and others. He chose some personally, but then asked the students to choose a few more. I assigned different uh, classes to different saints. So all the kids had at least one saint. The seventh and eighth grade had two saints. They had to market them, they had to learn about them, and then they had the address like them. And so the kids dressed up for after school mass, we had the presentation of, for example, St. Charles Luanga was all dressed up in his outfit, and then somebody read a story and kind of marketed, I want you to vote for me. And so then after a week of, of, of uh, taking things in, the marketing of all the classes to, to each other, the kids voted. So I took the top three in each list and put them. started proceeding to get the picture of those saints on the walls. And then the, we blessed them like the end of second or third week of January, and then the following week we had open house. And this little child who, who I wanted them to identify uh, with the people of color, he was African American and talked to mom and dad, and he said, he pointed to Martin Deport and he said, mom and dad, I got him elected. <laughs> And then this other kid down below, uh, maybe toward 20 feet down farther, pointed to Pope John Paul II and turned to his parents and said, I got him elected. <laughs> and that kind of a story is powerful because a father told me, when I told this idea with, at a, a dinner I had, different African-American families come in and had dinner with me over uh, Easter and uh, Lent of 2015. And the father told me that Father, you putting up Saints Hall of Fame of different color diversity would do more for my child's self-image and self-confidence than anything else this parish can do for my family. That just struck me. And those stories that I've told you carry out that kind of a spirit. Reaching out to others, regardless of age, color, or creed, in order to share the love of Christ is the common feature linking every saint throughout history, including now Mother Teresa. And although we are one in the body of Christ, the diversity within humanity reveals part of the beauty of God's creation, 
something which Mother Teresa and Josh, the formerly homeless volunteer, recognize. Indian, Mexican, um, American, um, uh, Canadian, you see them all. And then it's kind of like so special that you kind of visit the whole world messing with them. (laughs) (laughs) Swear. (laughs) Swear. Let's talk about when we were leaving uh, Sunday Mass, our first Sunday Mass, and we were with uh, Father Nelker, and uh, he was saying goodbye to everyone after Mass, and there was a woman who was kind of hang, hanging out in the background, and I'm noticing her, and she's kind of looking down, down at the floor and up at him and down at the floor and up at Like, I could tell, like, she wanted to talk to him, but she was scared, and I was there with the camera, so that was probably <laughs> intimidating. But uh, anyway, she came up to Father eventually when everyone had left, and she explained to him that her mother was dying, and could he come, uh, because she didn't have long. So uh, Father said, of course, of course, and he, you know, grabs his ever-handy sick-call case, um, and he says, shall we walk, and she's, where where are you going, and she says, well, it must have been Fark because father said no let's just get in the car so it was a big deal but we got in the in the land cruiser Uh, you you need you need a sturdy vehicle to be (laughs) able to drive around there um and on the way um i kind of talked um to the woman and tried to find out what was going on but it turned out that her mother was not very old um but again it's it's a matter of health care um, she hadn't had any. And Father said, why didn't you bring her to the clinic? You should bring her to the clinic. And she said, I don't want to trouble anybody. Mm. You know? They're just too humble to, mm-hmm. to even ask for a little bit of help. So um, uh, I was very blessed after uh, talking with Victoria for a while. And uh, she invited me to come in and meet her mother. So I got to go in with Father um, and we walked up a steep stairway and into this room that was very bright. Sun was coming in through the, through the windows that overlooked all of La Paz. I'm telling you, a panoramic vista like you've never seen. Just beautiful. It was a room that served as the daughter's, um, I don't know, yarn. What am I want to say? Yarn studio. She was she was a weaver. Okay. So she had lots of different colors of, of yarns and wools all around. And um, she made a, a mattress of like pillows for her mother on mm. the ground. And her mother had been just laying there on the ground. For, I don't know how, I couldn't, we, we, we weren't sure for how long. It, it would have been maybe a couple of months, yeah. but she wanted to be able to take care of her while she was working. So, um, Is this the father, image that's part it, of the it, story? Yeah, that's it. The, the moment is there um, in the Catholic St. Louis mm-hmm. magazine. Um, and Father just had a quiet time talking with her and, you know, giving her um, the sacrament. And uh, it, was, it was a beautiful time. And you could see how much uh, Victoria, the daughter, was relieved that Father had come to see her mother. It meant so. How much can that mean to mm. you, you know, at the end, to be able to have yeah. a priest to say, you know, I yeah. absolve you. Go, and you especially know, in a place like that where... 
you know, there's not a lot of priests running around. No, you know, that's no, no. A huge blessing. Yeah, so she, she was very happy, and I was so happy, and I cried, and I, I held her hand, and it's it's so beautiful to be able to say to someone, "You're going to see Jesus." Mm-hmm. I wish I was kind of seeing him with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's, I'm, I was overwhelmed with. Right. And they've had more native vocations, um, especially with the religious harders. But the diocesan priests are responsible for funding their own ministry, mm. which is very unusual for people here to, to accept. Right. Uh, they have to, they have to either have another job, or charge, you know, or, or you know, have some kind of fees where they get they get funding. So the the number of uh, young men going into the diocesan priesthood is not not very high. Yeah. Uh, so it means even more that we can have uh, one of their parishes that we staff. Yeah, that's enormously important. Wow. So let's go back real quick to Calamarca. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about the priests and the ministry there, the presence there. So um, Joe, can you touch on that a little bit? Yes. In Calamarca, it's one of those communities up. It's past El, El Alto, but it's up on the plains, and it's not too far of a drive. It's about an hour drive or so, but it's far enough that, that uh, it doesn't have it doesn't have any priests in the parish. So the priests from St. Louis agreed to come there when when they can. So they come for mass, I believe, what once a month. Once a month, yeah. And then they also visit. The, it also has little chapels in the villages around it because it's a very rural area, and it has this beautiful historic church, just oh, beautiful my church goodness. made by the it's Spanish. A, I had no idea when we were driving out there what to expect. Yes, it was, and when we arrived, it's uh, Calamarca means place of the stone. Hmm. So all this church is built by the local stone, which is just gorgeous. Uh, and the Spanish built built the actual church, I mm-hmm. believe, when they were in sort the of 1600s. In, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so there's some history there. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's an uh, it's cool. a it's a mag- it, it was the most beautiful place I saw when we were there. But the big thing is, is they have a deacon that, and his salary is paid by the St. Louis Mission Office, where where their funding comes from the generosity of the people here, and the deacon takes care of the day-to-day needs of the people there. Right. And and he goes out into all these villages, and you know he works tirelessly, and you know he's aided by his family members. Yeah. And it's it's amazing to see the work that he does. Right. I'm wow. and well, and Deacon Francisco, he's actually uh, an Amaran uh, native, so he's a native Bolivian, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know real un- unusual to be able to have that. Um, so for him to help serve the archdiocese as well. That is, yeah. that's a huge bonus. <laughs> yes, because right. otherwise the people would have to drive, you know, uh, 45 minutes or more just to right. get, and that's people that drive because a lot of them don't drive. So they would be without any services at yeah. all. And, yeah. and and also though, Joe, our, our priests are fluent in Spanish, but mm-hmm. not so much in Amaran because there are, there are, Lots of different okay. languages. Yeah. I mean, Spanish is they do primary know that there, language, mm-hmm. but it's not there. It's not, not there, there. Okay. you know, forte. Yeah. Right. So to have a native Amaran speaker mm-hmm. be able to pastor among the people who are totally indigenous. Yeah. You know, that's it, pretty it, good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize there were more languages spoken to this. Yes, yeah. yeah. there's a lot of languages in Bolivia. 
Speaking of native cultures and traditions, um, you'll notice on the cover of Catholic St. Louis magazine, or maybe if anybody's listening and, and maybe seen pictures of Bolivia, the hats. The ladies wear hats. And it's this, <laughs> yes, they do. These bowler hats that maybe, you know, you think, well, this is straight out of the 1920s in the U.S. <laughs> or even older, you know. Like, so what's the what's the deal with that? What What's the deal? Yeah. Wh- mm-hmm. Well, Joe, do you want to start on that? Well, we, we, I, I'm not that familiar with it, but I looked it up and, and uh, uh, apparently. Well, I'll talk about yeah. the women's fashion okay. then, being a yes. lady. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I so admired the hats, and so I was asking Father about it one day. And he he didn't know too too much um but he was he told me lisa these people have little to nothing they own little to nothing but for a woman that is probably her most prized possession and it's probably the most expensive thing she has um and I thought, wow. I mean, I thought the hats were it's nice, hat, but yeah. he's like, he's like, Lisa, you even couldn't afford one of these hats. <laughs> so, I mean, there must be like a wow. life worth, you know, life savings goes mm-hmm. into buying these. But, but the rumor or the legend or whatever has it is that uh, back early 1900s, I guess, Joe. I don't know. Uh, no. When did the bowler hat come out? Anyway, there was a company mm-hmm. and they made bowler hats and they were going to send them down for the men who were building the railroad in Bolivia as, you know, so that they could buy them because um, it was fashionable. Mm-hmm. So they thought all the men would buy them. But they, so they sent the hats down there. But what they didn't do first was to measure the hats, and they were too small. And so the no. men didn't want them. But they fit really well on the ladies. So they say that they kind of said, well, we'll just, you know, we'll sell them as a woman's fashion item huh. instead I mean, of to yeah. the men and so i don't know if that's actually fact or fiction but that's the rumor um but what i can tell you is that almost every native woman will have one and depending on how she wears it you'll know a little bit more about her oh. so if she wears it like right on the top uh-huh. like straight up and down so then that's a sign okay i'm not married I'm available, (laughs) you know, Um, but if she wears it to the side, one side or the other, it would mean like I'm a widow or I'm no longer married or, you know, or the situation is complicated. Yeah. So it it depends. So the way way it's worn means different things. That's cool. So it's not just a trend or a fashion item. No. It really has meaning to it. No, 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 no. It is 100%. I mean, they could have ditched this long ago, Uh but it's become a part of the culture and the women have such great pride in in this that you know they're not they don't want to give that up Mm -hmm. and i admire them it's beautiful i love it so clearly there's a lot of cultural uh, pride about you know who the bolivians are and and really here in st louis we should take pride that we uh are are, uh, helping these priests uh contributing to their to their livelihood who are in turn helping these people in bolivia uh we should take pride in the fact that we're the the first missionary diocese uh, or first diocese to send people to mission outside yeah. the U.S., so that's kind of cool. You know, we, 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 we just kind of you know rattled away about a few stories, but I hope that everyone will at least be able to get online if they don't have a copy of, of the review mm-hmm. uh, and, and read the story because you have to know more about Father Patrick and Father Jim and, and Father Tim. Yeah, <laughs> Father, <laughs> Father Mickler, is in, he's very involved in uh, Marriage Encounter, yeah. and he is ministering to people from all over La Paz, not just not just the poorer people, but also middle class, 
and uh, you know strengthening marriages and mm-hmm. it, and it is a really kind of a it's a thriving program that they have there so and without him there they they may not have a priest who's doing that so it's really it's important one of work the most uh, the larger marriage encounter groups in all of South America wow. yeah wow that's great yeah well, anything else we, went, we haven't touched on yet that we can get into? I know we're kind of... Oh, quite, man, we've been going. Interview, I know, is, it's way longer than so I'm much. sure you want it. So, yeah. <laughs> so <you're> thank <laughs> you if you've listened this long. Thank you so much oh, for... Oh, God for bless you if you left this <laughs> long. <laughs> <laughs> you've listened this <laughs> long. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for any... I mean, there's tons more content online at stlouisreview.com. The Catholic St. Louis magazine should be out and, and uh, has reaches over 100,000 subscribers in, in St. Louis and beyond. So if you don't have the paper... Check, hey, on, check out the us. website. Yeah, call us. Get a subscription. Uh, tweet us. Know, Teresa Rosco would be more than happy to sign you up. But tweet at us. Yep. Uh, Facebook us. <laughs> all that stuff. All and if you want, and, follow, and follow Lisa and Joe on on Twitter. Uh, Lisa, yours is uh, Eternus Photo. Eternus right? Photo. Yes. And Joe is Joseph Kenny Two. Right. On Twitter. Yeah. Right. So yeah. follow these two great reporters don't follow joe kenny one no no good if and also if somebody wants to support the mission office and their work in bolivia you can Please look at their, their website is um uh, you can look up the archdiocese of mm-hmm. st louis and go to mission office yeah. yes there's a link there Arch- and go to their bash yeah there's go a bash. To the bash I, the bash for bolivia it's coming up right it's check on that out. Uh, the 27th on saturday great well you guys have been entertaining and uh Everybody who's listening, again, go check out the magazine. The The story in the newspaper uh, is Mission to Bolivia, Land of Peace. That's what it's called. And then there's one coming out. That, that's from a couple weeks ago. Then there's another uh, coming story out coming this out week. this week, the August um, what, 22nd edition right, of right. the St. Louis Review. Mm-hmm. Yes. So make sure to go get uh, check that out. If you don't have a subscription, you got to get one. So got to get one. The story. Oh, yeah, my so. goodness. Go now. <laughs> Look, there's no news like good Catholic news. Yeah. Well, Joe, Lisa, thank you so much for being here and joining me on the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Wow. So, probably the best one. <laughs> best one so far. <laughs> I'm here with Stephen Kempf, Assistant Director of Publications for the St. Louis Review. Stephen, what can we look forward to seeing in the review this week? Well, one of our big stories that we had this in the paper dated August 29th was the, the Little Sisters of the Poor. They announced that they were leaving their, their residence in St. Louis after 147 years. Uh, at a press conference, they said that, the, the, that their departure was necessitated by a decreased number of vocations uh, throughout the nation. Uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback and questions from on social media and otherwise asking how can we help and in my opinion one of the best things we can do is to pray and find other ways to truly support and foster vocations to the priesthood and religious life now um, obviously speaking of vocations and religious life uh, mother Teresa is going to be canonized coming up uh, on September 4th so are you guys going to be doing anything uh, in the review in regards to her canonization yeah, our uh, Living Our Faith this week was on Mother's, Mo- Mother Teresa and soon-to-be St. Teresa of Kolkata, and we had a, a big story that talked about the profound impact she had on the world and her encouragement to do small things with great love. You know, um, Blessed Teresa of Calcutta Parish in Ferguson is having several several events throughout that week to, you know, to, to honor Mother Teresa, as, as well as a mass on September fifth at Blessed or at uh, Saint Teresa and Bridget Parish in Saint Louis. Mm-hmm. And listeners of this podcast obviously have heard a little bit about Mother Teresa and the missionaries of charity here in Saint Louis already. So, 
um, that's that'll be a great uh, great way to kind of celebrate her life and legacy and her canonization. We have another saint, or we'll have another saint in the Catholic Church. Is there anything else uh, that readers of the St. Louis Review can look forward to? Yeah, one of the things we're working on is with Labor Day right around the quarter, re- reporter Joe Kenny is looking at church teaching on the dignity of work and how it is a way in which humans partake in creation. Um, another thing I'm really excited about is our annual back, to, back in school section. This section will take a look at some of the ways our Catholic grade schools and high schools are educating our children and preparing them in the faith. We're excited to explore some of the many ways schools are getting back into the swing of things this school year. Great. Well, thank you, Stephen. We'll look forward to seeing all the stories in the review sometime soon, and I hope our listeners will, uh, if they don't have a subscription yet, they need to get one, right? They absolutely do. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Make sure to follow the Archdiocese of St. Louis on social media. You can find us on Facebook, also Twitter, at ArchSTL is our handle, at ArchSTL. You can also find the Archdiocese of St. Louis on Instagram, and also the St. Louis Review. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Their handle is St. Louis Review, at St. Louis Review. There used to be an underscore in their name, so if you're looking for the underscore, it's not there anymore. St. Louis Review on Twitter, and they are also on Instagram as well. So please follow all these important Archdiocese accounts and stay up to date with what's going on here in the Rome of the West, Gateway to the West, Catholic St. Louis. This is Gabe Jones, your host, and I hope you'll keep listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next time. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis.